Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. This week, we are debuting a new segment, Cinema Soapbox. Yeah, we're really excited to do this segment. It'll be a, a solo episode where either Erica, Mike, or myself will get up on our high horse and uh, either spout some love for some aspect of cinema or maybe some venom. <laughs> and we're gonna find out today what, what Mike's, Mike's angle is gonna be. And mm -hmm. it could be timely, it could be timeless. We hope you'll be entertained by one of us, by the filmmaker's perspective, by the cinema nerd's perspective, <laughs> or by me, you know, the every woman. We're all gonna get up, take turns getting up on our high horse. And but Erica, what are we um, what are we doing next week that maybe we can tease for our listeners in case they want to watch ahead with us on what we're talking about next week? The Criterion Collection has Barbara Streisand's three films: The Mirror Has Two Faces, The Prince of Tides, and Yentl, and a thirty-minute interview with her. So. We each are picking a movie and we'll be focusing, John will focus on Mirror Has Two Faces, I will focus on Yentl, and Mike will focus on Prince of Tides. And we'll take our perspectives on those, but we'll discuss all three. And um, we hope you'll join us. So watch in advance and enjoy our conversations. Um, if you're familiar with her work, that's as a director, that's great. As an actress, you've probably seen her as a performer, uh, singer. You've definitely heard her. Um, so we're, we're excited. It's probably a little different. You're probably, you'd probably never thought you'd hear us talk about Barbara Streisand, but here we are. So just a little tease of what to expect next week. Excellent. And now Mike Berlin with his cinema soapbox. The Merits of Mank. What circuitous route would one take in describing what David Fincher's most recent directional exercise, the film Mank, is all about? For that answer, I'd actually refer to actor Gary Oldman's Herman Mankiewicz himself. Rita Alexander, Herman Mankiewicz. How do you do, Mr. Mankiewicz? That's a big question. There are those who will give you the shorthand answer and spit out that it's about the writing of 1941's Citizen Kane. Which is true, but not entirely. Others might have you think it's a story of a singular talented writer who after years of frivolously boozing and treating his own life like it's one of his own Marx Brothers movies, he actually steps forward and shows the world what his God-given talent looks like when fully realized. There certainly is that element to the story, but that's a little too rosy a spin to put on it. Is it a warped parable that holds a magnifying glass up to the political climate of the 1930s and in doing so provides us a reflection on these current tumultuous political times? In a scene from the film, Mank, on an election night, shares the thought with the movie moguls sitting at his table who are supporting the Republican candidate who is accusing his challenger of being a socialist. That I think what you mean, if you keep telling people something untrue loud and long enough, they're apt to believe it. That's not what he was saying. So that's it, right? Mank is a mirror of modern-day America? Well, the culturally astute amongst us might have us believe that. But that's only a piece of the story. Or maybe, just maybe, 
It's a Freudian exercise for the film's director, who after giving us decades of the most thought-provoking and visually energetic stories, like Fight Club and The Social Network, had to seek financial sanctuary with Netflix to get his vision across, because hardly anything that isn't stamped as a franchise gets greenlit for cineplexes. With this frustration, has Fincher found an artistic common ground with the screenwriter of Mank, which happened to be David's late father, Jack Fincher. After all, this will be the only original screenplay credit Jack Fincher, who passed away in 2003, will get to have. It is such a sublime piece of work that it begs the question, why weren't there more films from the elderly Fincher? And to go ski even further down the glacier, did David and Jack relate to Herman Mankiewicz's well-won callous cynicism? The film documents Mank's slow descent into disillusionment with the Hollywood Dream Factory, and suggests that by the time he was writing Citizen Kane, the whole movie-making business just made him want to vomit. The philosopher in us likes this answer, but to be honest, that is probably just my pretentiousness at work. The truth is, it's all of those things and none of those things and more. And that's the beauty of it. There's no simple answer. It's just a gigantic layered cinnamon roll. So why am I taking the time to dedicate this first cinema soapbox to this particular subject? Well, to be honest, I really have no interest in telling you what the movie is about. I want you to pause for a moment and recognize the movie exists. Mank was released on December 4th, and within 24 hours it had slipped out of Netflix's top 10 trending content. I have a cinema soapbox for that bullshit list too, but we'll save it for another time. In short, the film was always probably going to be for a niche audience, but why? Sure, it's a nihilistic black and white piece set with a mono track that features the rat-a-tat-tat dialogue of a bygone era. But in a time where everyone likes to pretend that they are deep and substance-based on their tweets and Instagram posts, here's a story that actually is layered and intellectually wealthy. Back in Mankiewicz's day, the craze was gangster and monster movies. The writers would find little ways of peppering in some relevant motif into these genres, but that's what the people wanted, so that's what the studios provided. Except was it? Could we actually have that order backwards? In the 1930s, nationalism was on the rise. The country was in a throes of a Great Depression, and African Americans were being deprived of the equal opportunities that whites were receiving with FDR's work program administration, because as Donald Glover reminds us, this is America. Yet when America's went to the movies, it was Cagney's iconic tough guys, Karloff's indelible monsters, and Yellow Brick Roads, and hardly a peep or a frame about Nazis marching in Germany. Now, I'm not anti-popcorn movies, and I love my action movies loud and violent and my comedies with a healthy degree of crassness. People deserve escapism. But when all that there's being offered is popcorn and cotton candy, then one could object that we are lacking a nutritional diet, so to speak. Today's film de jour is superhero franchises, flicks with souped-up cars and convoluted assassin movies. Now, this is fine, but as a viewer, are we always going to go for the lowest common denominator? I fear we already know the answer. Granted, with the 24-7 news cycle and media outlets creating their own degree of sensationalism because they like captivating viewers and ad revenue that goes with those Nielsen numbers, can't much blame people for looking for content that helps them forget everything that's going on in the real world. So what's the problem with this? In my opinion, a lot actually. It's hard to find directors, artists, and writers who are really providing original thought and content and challenging their audience. To me, that's what Fincher has done with Mank. He's told a relevant and personal story, I suspect, in the guise of a period piece. And for a myriad of reasons, people opted for something a little less challenging. 
Now, Fincher isn't going anywhere, and I'm personally thankful to Netflix for signing him to a four-picture contract. But if we don't do a better job as an audience and connoisseurs of visual media, we could find ourselves with an unhealthy balance of mindless fodder, because at the end of the day, that's all the studios and eventually the streaming giants will fund. So I encourage you to dig a little deeper in your streaming menu for the piece of content that's a little more difficult to put your finger on. It doesn't have to be Mank. It doesn't have to be Citizen Kane, but if we all did a little more to support films that show the world in a different light, maybe things wouldn't look so black and white to us all. This has been Mike Berlin. I yield my soapbox. Until the next time, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Great to hear from you. And that's been our episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow the Film Society of Northwestern PA and the Greater Erie Film Office on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.